Welcome to the Chesapeake Connect podcast. I'm Tom Hall. Chesapeake Connect is an annual learning trip that brings together leaders from around Baltimore to explore best practices and programs in a peer region. It's organized by the Baltimore Metropolitan Council, the Council of Governments serving Greater Baltimore. The council has organized trips to Cleveland, New Orleans, and Nashville in recent years. Today on the Chesapeake Connect podcast, we're looking at the suburbs of the Greater Baltimore region, how they're changing in the 21st century, and what the future of suburban living, development, and transportation will look like. We're joined by Anne Arundel County Executive Stuart Pittman and Greg Fitchett. He's the president for Columbia at the Howard Hughes Corporation. County Executive Pittman has represented Anne Arundel County on the BMC board since 2018. He attended the 2019 trip to Nashville. He's a lifelong agrarian and conservationist. After college, he coordinated national programs for the National Low-Income Housing Coalition and ACORN, the Association of Community Organizations for Reform Now, before returning to Maryland to start his own business as a farmer and horse trainer. Greg Fitchett is the regional president for Columbia, Maryland at the Howard Hughes Corporation, and he attended all three Chesapeake Connect trips as a program sponsor. He's been in the real estate development field for more than 25 years. County Executive Pippin, welcome, sir. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Good to be here. And Greg Fitchett, welcome to you as well to the Chesapeake Connect podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you, Tom. And Greg, let me start with you. Um, development, of course, is a controversial issue uh, throughout the Baltimore region, especially in the suburbs. So let's start there. So you have worked on major developments across the country, uh, and you're managing a multi-billion dollar suburban development right now here in Maryland. What do you think are the markers of good development versus bad development? Well, uh, Thank you for the question. It's, um, you know, and, and to start with, it's great just to hear recognition that there is such thing as good development and bad development. A lot of people tend to think that all development is bad, or at least that's the narrative that uh, you hear a lot. Uh, anyone who's been in this business for uh, some period of time, you know, there's a sort of a regular narrative amongst uh, the, the, what we call the NIMBY crowd, not in my backyard crowd, that all development is bad. Development is the source of all sorts of problems and uh, whether it's traffic or overcrowding or uh, hurting the environment. Uh, but those of us who work in this field know that there is a big difference between good development and bad development. Uh, good development, uh, of which you know, I'm pl- proud to, to uh, be a proponent of and proud to say that we're doing very much in, in Howard County and with the downtown Columbia development is planned. It's thoughtful, it's smart, it adds to the community, it is comprehensive. It brings, you know, it thinks about things. So it thinks about uh, transportation connections and it thinks about schools and it thinks about how are we going to fund infrastructure. And then it also brings things that are, that are essential. It brings jobs. So, you know, job creation comes from development. Um, we are always, uh, always in competition, uh, particularly with Virginia, our friends to the South, to try and bring jobs and bring companies and bring good companies and employment opportunities here to Howard County, here to the state of Maryland. And good development does that. Uh, Companies are in a huge competition to attract the workforce. And how you attract the workforce today is to create environments that people wanna live, work, and play in. Uh, And that's what we're doing in downtown Columbia. 
So uh, it's, it's a really important question. You know, the difference between good and bad development. Bad development, I consider to be unplanned and to be short-term thinking development, uh, but that's not what we're doing in downtown Columbia. And uh, County Executive Pittman, um, I think Greg Fitchett makes a good point that there is this narrative that, you know, all development is bad. I mean, there are certain, there's a certain portion of the electorate that, that certainly thinks that. You ran for County Executive uh, on a slow growth a pro-environment platform. Um, how would you describe your vision for development in Anne Arundel County? Yeah, it's a really good question. And it's it's been uh, the most complicated um, part of governing in Anne Arundel County, because as you say, a lot of people think that development is bad, period. And, and I wouldn't even describe the platform that I ran on as slow growth. It's I, I like to think of it as managed growth smart growth, even old overused term that I still I think still applies. But it's pretty simple. I mean, when I was a community organizer in in neighborhoods in that that were really under um, underinvested and and uh, in in difficult difficult shape, we tried hard to bring investment and development into those neighborhoods. So I would call that good development when you get a grocery store into a neighborhood that doesn't have one, or you get a bunch of abandoned houses torn down and um, and build some some multifamily housing even that is affordable and good quality. Um, bad development is where uh, there's no infrastructure and the the environment um, is destroyed. So you take you know you take a forest along the water, you tear down the trees, you. You build um, a bunch of suburban homes, and there's no road, no road to, to to handle the traffic. There's no schools for the kids, and and there's there's terrible stormwater system, and uh, and and you have all of all of these um, nutrients going into the bay. So that's bad development to the extreme. And uh, in between there, there are you know the regulations and uh, the government cooperation and the community input to ensure that at least there are rules that everybody follows that um, that really do ensure that some public need is being met. So it's, 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 um, it's a fascinating topic. And while people think I'm anti-development, I think in another life I could easily have been a developer or a planner because it's really exciting to, to build the good stuff that improves people's quality of life, um, but at the same time to preserve nature and our relationship to it and improve the quality of everybody's lives with um, with the right kind of development and managed growth. And Greg Fitchett, um, county executive, makes an excellent point about you know whether you call it slow growth or uh, smart growth. Um, certainly, the Baltimore region, and this is in this way, it's like many places around the country. Uh, but our region has had an explosion of suburban growth over the past I don't know four or five decades, to be sure. Um, talk about how that growth has played out in Colombia, the, the upside, the downside, uh, and what it's meant for that area. Sure, it's really, it has been transformative. Uh, in Howard County has been one of the fastest growing uh, areas of the region really for the last uh, 50 plus years, in large part due to Colombia. Um, and Colombia, which uh, we have the great, uh, great benefit of, of having Jim Rouse, who is the founder of Colombia, uh, he created the idea of Columbia. I mean, he was the father of master plan communities, but Columbia really was different and is different today because Jim Rouse saw Columbia as 
a reaction to uh, some of the things that he saw as problems, you know, the sort of unplanned suburban growth that was happening in the post-war era, uh, as well as the challenges that were happening sort of inside the cities, uh, inside Baltimore. He worked in Baltimore, and he really created Columbia to be a different sort of city. He believed that if you plan things direct, you know, in the right way and you're thoughtful about it, you could create a place that would actually uplift the human spirit, allow people to reach their full human potential. And he did many things uh, in order to do that. He brought together a group of people, not just architects and planners, but he brought together sociologists and academics and experts in religion and, and government and healthcare, brought them all together to say, let's design this new place, this new city, Columbia, and let's design it for the people. Let's design a city for the people. And that's a tradition that I think has really been the re reason why Columbia has been the success that it has been, and, you know, consistently ranked as one of the top small cities in the country to live in. Uh, it's got great quality of life, great schools, great open space. And it really is because it was thoughtfully planned. And we're, we're pleased to be able to kind of continue that tradition today. Uh, the Howard Hughes Corporation is actually the successor to the Rouse Company in Columbia. Uh, and with the downtown Columbia plan, we really look at how we can bring those values uh, and bring that tradition of planned and thoughtful and smart development to what we're doing in the downtown Columbia area today. And Stuart Pittman, of course, Anne Arundel County uh, has also experienced a huge boom in development uh, over the past many years. Um, I'm thinking in particular about uh, road expansions and development and stuff around the airport, BWI. Um, in your view, what has suburban growth looked like for Anne Arundel County? Um, what's working? What isn't? Um, what are you happy about? What do you wish you get a do-over with? Or at least, you know, uh, what do you wish will inform your next moves uh, when it comes to development? Yeah, there there has been a lot of development in Anne Arundel County, and part of it is because uh, is is for a good reason, which is that there's been there's been job growth, which is a real luxury. Um, it's real to Fort Meade and NSA and all the contractors, uh, and that we have a busy airport as well. Uh, but uh, and former county executives have called it the Gold Coast in West County, where 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 a lot of the development has taken place. But what's happened is that for the average resident of the county, this what they call development pressure. Uh, every every piece of land in the county um, is been looked at by by potential developers, speculators. Um, Fifty one percent of our county is actually considered rural, uh, and and um, so there's all of that land, and then there's land near the water, and uh, and then there's there's areas that could be redeveloped, but that's usually a little bit more expensive for the developer. Um, but the development has happened. It's been largely suburban type development. There's been some multifamily more recently. And, and um, the sense is that the county didn't manage it in that uh, there are neighborhoods with no sidewalks. Uh, there are, um, we have train stations, uh, Laurel, Odenton, uh, and then the stations coming from the, um, the light rail coming out of Baltimore. The, the end of the line is Cromwell Station. And and development efforts haven't really succeeded in those the way they were expected. Odenton Town Center has what they call sidewalks to nowhere. We really wish we'd had a, a Rouse or a Hughes Corporation, I think, in Odenton to really plan that community and do it right, but we didn't. And, and a lot of the plans that were developed, we had small area plans that communities were engaged in across the county, and then these general development plans, 20-year plans, um, we're in the process of doing that again right now. A lot of that work was set aside on a shelf, 
And what happened was that um, the the regulations that were in place, uh, the developers um, created and the, and the politicians created a system where you circumvent them with modifications. Those get approved by the Office of Plan and Zoning, and they often go to the county executive and he looks at who gave them campaign checks. I mean, it, it sounds horrible, but this is the, really the way it has worked. And thousands and thousands of these modifications. So the public looks at that and they say, how did this development get put in this location where clearly we had a plan that said we were going to preserve that land? And people start to lose trust. They lose trust in government. Uh, they lose trust in their leaders, and they start to say that developers are just bad and all development is bad. So um, we should have done a better job with adequate public facilities. Um, we we did an impact fee study that recommended that for road impact fees should be double what they were, but the politicians did half of that. So now the public is saying, well, why aren't we keeping up with our roads? Why aren't we doing the infrastructure? Why do we have to go back and build sidewalks? Uh, and And so the key is to do the infrastructure um, along with the development or in advance of the development and make sure you have the funding for it and calculate the true costs of the development and and um, and provide the parks and all the amenities that people want. So good development is where you put it and you can make an area good for development. But um, what we ended up with and a lot of the frustration is, is that there are parts, particularly of West County, where a lot of that development happened, where we've not kept up um, with the other amenities and people are now asking for those amenities and we're having to deliver um, and, and it's expensive. So that's, that's our challenge. And Greg Fitchett, uh, certainly one of the hallmark of Jim Rouse's vision for Columbia was that it be a diverse community. Uh, inclusion, diversity were, were made priorities uh, in the development uh, even before the passage of the Fair Housing Act in 1968. What did this focus on inclusion mean for the development of Columbia? You know, it, it's we're so fortunate to be able to have had uh, the, you know the, you know Jim Rouse and his his thinking back in the early '60s. Uh, you know, the '60s were a time of incredible turmoil. Um, you know, which you know continues to echo on today uh, in in the events that we saw last year with uh, the murder of George Floyd and with the uh, the sort of awakening uh, that racial injustice is still pervasive uh, throughout the country. And so it, we, we have this great tradition in Colombia um, that we would be an intentionally inclusive community. And it, it, it's great. I mean, there's there's so many stories. Uh, you know, the, the first baby, for example, born in Colombia was born to an interracial couple, a couple that had to uh, go to DC to get married because it wasn't legal to be married uh, in Maryland if you were an interracial couple at the time. Um, we have, uh, you know, I mean, that, and then and, and Jim Rouse really, took this idea of like, he wanted this to be a progressive and inclusive place. And he designed the community to almost force that, uh, you know, for, again, at the time, you know, back in the late sixties, it was very common for developers to purposely only sell uh, to, you know, certain racial groups and to exclude others. Jim Rouse said, you're not going to be allowed to do that. And if I catch you doing it, you won't be sold another lot in the development of Columbia. And he enforced that. He also designed the community in ways that encouraged interaction. Uh, for example, in my favorite example is the lots, the single family home lots in Columbia, for the most part are designed to be, they're too small to fit a pool in the backyard. Meantime, Rouse put the most, we have actually the most pools, the most outdoor neighborhood pools per capita of anywhere in the United States and Columbia. 
And he did that to make sure that people wouldn't just congregate with the, the, you know, their, their neighbors that they were used to in their backyards, segregated. Everybody in the summer, every kid in the neighborhood was forced. If you want to go in the pool, you had to go in the same pool, the same pool that every you know, kid of every color, every religion was in the same pool, splashing and having a great time and getting to know each other. And that's the, the you know, great example of how this purposeful and thoughtful and planned design can actually have really incredibly important social benefits. Um, so that's a, you know, it's a tradition that we are really pleased to include, you know, to, to, to continue today. Um, you know, one of the most important ways I would say is with affordable housing. Uh, again, Rouse was very focused. He was a leader in affordable housing. He did affordable housing before it was necessary, before it was a requirement to do it. And then he went on after the Rouse company to found Enterprise, which is one of the leaders in, in affordable housing finance and development in the country. Uh, still headquartered in Columbia today. Uh, but we've continued that tradition with uh, what we came up with in 2016, a really thoughtful and creative solution for affordable housing in downtown Columbia. Uh, ultimately, we'll have of the 6,200 units we're going to build in downtown Columbia, 900 of them will be affordable. And that is with full income spectrum. So all the way from very low income units up to moderate income units, it's integrated with the housing, uh, with the market rate housing, and it's also integrated uh, with public um, uh, with public projects such as the new cultural center, which was just approved uh, earlier this year by the Howard County Council. So, uh, you know that that tradition of you know making sure that the community is economically integrated as well as racially integrated is something that's really essential to the DNA of Columbia and something we're proud to continue. And County Executive Pittman, um, you mentioned you know basically half of uh, Anne Arundel County is you know considered rural, but by the next census, it's very possible that Anne Arundel uh, may actually have more residents than Baltimore City. Um, so as Anne Arundel County and uh, the surrounding jurisdictions uh, have grown, you know, Baltimore City continues to lose population. Obviously, a lot of those folks are going to the suburbs. What does that shift mean for regional dynamics and specifically, you know, the relationship between Anne Arundel County and Baltimore City? Well, it's it's terrible for Baltimore City because the tax base suffers. And uh, uh, one of the things that I love about the Baltimore Metropolitan Council and getting together with my peers in the other counties is and having those open lines of communication is we have the opportunity to coordinate on policy um, as the development community does. They operate regionally. And I think we all have at this point right now, we have a great relationship with, with the city, um, current mayor, former mayor. And, and um, I, I really believe that we could think about policy in ways that regionally encourage more development in Baltimore City. And, and uh, we need to attract development into Baltimore City. Um, doesn't mean we're going to shut down for development in the suburbs. We absolutely need to have better transportation networks between them. You know, losing the red line was 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 a real blow to Baltimore City. Uh, and and um, but you know things like forest conservation. When when I first came in and we worked on that, and Howard County was working on it, Frederick County was working. We we didn't actually talk to each other about it as much as we should. The county leaders uh, and and we should because we could do something consistent and have consistent rules across the region. Um, and, and, um, and then some of those rules would make it a little bit more difficult, I think, 
um, or more expensive to to develop in in areas with uh, natural resources that, that we want to protect, and that in itself um, can can uh, make Baltimore maybe a better option in some ways. Um, it's Baltimore City has gotten into a very difficult position where where they need to attract development, so they have to provide financial incentives uh, for that development with with tax breaks, but but then they don't get the tax base that they need to be able to provide their services. So it's, it's not a new problem. It happens all over the country. Um, but I think more regional cooperation um, can help to help to, to uh, solve that problem. We need a thriving Baltimore city and, and that helps the whole region. Yeah. No, I think you've outlined uh, one of the central problems uh, really, really clearly. And Greg Fitchett, of course, you know, for, half a century or so, uh, the suburbs have been synonymous with expansion. But when Howard Hughes uh, started uh, working with Columbia, the community was largely built out. So give us a sense of how you have approached replanning the model of Columbia. Yeah, it, it has been, it's very interesting because, you know, we took over when, you know, the again, the the, the sort of residential part of the master plan community, the single family homes, the villages were largely completed and largely built out. Uh, what we really are focused on is, is creating the urban center. Um, Howard County, you know, has all these, these great benefits. It's got an incredibly, you know, educated and, and uh, affluent workforce, uh, you know, great schools, great benefits, but it's been missing a true urban center. And that's what we are in the process of, of building. Uh, it really speaks to, you know, to a change in the dynamic. When a community has been largely built out, the focus has to change if a like, community wants to continue to grow. It has to change from greenfield development to infill development. And our project uh, with downtown Columbia is kind of infill development on a very you know, large and ambitious scale. It's 14 million square feet. It's a 30-year plan, a $5 billion plan to create, uh, recreate the area that was Really dominated by you know a mall, kind of a traditional urban form or suburban form from you know kind of the 70s and 80s to recreate the area around that into a walkable urban core. Um, it's exciting. I think it's a blueprint for how other communities will evolve and will will continue to grow in this sort of infill manner. Um, and it's all about you know taking and integrating what we know about development, what's important about development, uh, and and bringing that into uh, an infill situation. So we're talking about how do we develop sustainably? Sustainability is, is integral to everything that we do. All of our buildings are, are at minimum LEED Silver certified. Our last two have been LEED Gold certified. Our neighborhood in the Meriwether District is a LEED for Neighborhood Development certified project. Um, so that's, that's integral to everything, making sure that people have transportation choices. Um, so yes, we are still you know, largely dependent on the automobile, but we have to give people choices. We have to improve the transit connections to places like Anne Arundel County, to Fort Meade, to Baltimore City, uh, to the south, to Silver Spring, and to the D.C. area. Uh, and then on a micro level, we have to make sure that people can, if they don't want to get into their car, if they, that they can have a good choice for taking a bike or walking or taking scooters. I'm really excited uh, the, the Howard County Council recently approved scooters for downtown Columbia. Uh, we're working with a scooter company, and hopefully we'll see that come to town uh, later this year. So transportation choices are important. It really is about, you know, again, looking at, you know, focusing back in on area that has been previously developed. I mean, you know, the mall, for example, is 
surrounded by acres and acres and acres of asphalt parking lot. We have acres and acres of asphalt parking lot in our lakefront district. Uh, and we're in the process of transforming that into a walkable urban neighborhood, the lakefront specifically focused on health and wellness, um, integrating fitness, integrating healthy eating, integrating medical offices and office along with residences, uh, all types for people, both workforce housing and for, uh, for you know, age-restricted housing, um, all of those components. And I think that is, is a model for how Columbia and Howard County really has to, to change in order to continue to grow. The villages of Columbia, uh, again, most have been built out now for, uh, for 20 or 30 or even 40 years, and everything has to continue to be invested in. You know, I, I think one of the things that I say about real estate is there is no status quo. You're either investing and you're improving things, or you're not investing. And if you're not investing, then you're declining. There is no, you just can't keep things the same. If you try and keep things the same, that means you're declining. Um, and so I think that the villages of Columbia, which have a great tradition, and many of them are, are you know, extremely desirable places to live, they need to figure out how to revitalize and how to encourage reinvestment um, if Columbia can, you know, wants to sustain the, the success that it's had over its first 50 years. Yeah, and uh, County Executive Pittman, that's a good point. Um, let's talk a little bit more about your take on smart growth. Obviously, development is a major driver of revenue for all local governments. Uh, it fuels employment, et cetera. Um, but you got to balance the need for development uh, and that revenue and those jobs with a commitment to preserving uh, and protecting Anne Arundel's uh, natural resources. How do you approach that tension? Well, I'm, I'm lucky in the timing of my uh, being elected two years ago, which is right along with the um, the beginning of our process of creating our plan 2040, our general development plan. And, you know, I was endorsed by the environmental folks, of course, and, and, uh, and had a certain amount of credibility with a lot of those, the community groups around the, around the county. And uh, we brought in um, old governor Paris Glenn Denning and smart growth America. And we had, a, we spent a Saturday in May um, with 200 people in the room. I was shocked. They showed up uh, talking about, what smart growth means and how you can preserve open space by by um, going ahead and doing transit-oriented development and high-density multi-you know multi-use developments. And the interesting thing is that um, the way that the county and and the way most jurisdictions did zoning, the old Euclidean kind of zoning, where you separate out your residential from your commercial and your and your um, uh, entertainment and office and everything else and industrial. Um, it requires people to drive everywhere, and it makes it impossible to develop what Greg is talking about in Columbia. Um, that would be illegal. It's against the law in Anne Arundel County to do anything like that. Well, uh, we need to change uh, our laws to get with the times. And so it's really been fascinating uh, going through the process and talking both to developers and environmental folks and planners in particular about what we can do um, with our code to make it possible for us to do the transit-oriented development that we want to do in Odenton um, or, or at the Cromwell Station and, or, or even around the airport. And, you know, these community benefit districts that create some flexibility uh, as long as there's some community benefit and planning or form-based code where you really get specific about how things are going to be planned, but you engage the community in the process, which, um, you know, if, if it's the right kind of development in the right place, you actually get community support for it. And so, so that's the direction we're moving. We've, we're 
we're, um, you know, I'm really excited about what we put forth. And it, it really does, you know, it focuses on the, the, the kind of development that I think younger people are looking for. Um, affordable housing, which we absolutely need for younger people as well as older people and people who work who work in our businesses, and and um, that that stuff was kind of not talked about in my county uh, for a long time. You couldn't even talk about multifamily housing; everything had to be suburban style. And and I think um, people are getting past that. I'm certainly way beyond that, and I think our plan is way beyond that. So. Um, we've, we've done a bunch of legislation having to do with workforce housing and, and affordable housing. And, uh, you know, the question is whether you can survive politically on that. And, um, I think we're, I think we're getting there. I think our, our residents are, are, um, are figuring this out and I feel like we're, we're moving forward. Yeah. And Greg Fitchett, let's talk about that generational dimension to all of this. Um, what are the challenges of designing and planning uh, for communities that meet the na- needs of baby boomers who are aging, uh, and those younger families who, as you mentioned, want walkable, bikeable amenities, that kind of stuff. Um, how do you how do you balance those two things? It's interesting. It's uh, it's actually easier than than you might think. Um, in fact, there's a saying in our business, at least the residential, the multifamily business, that uh, if you design for the millennials, you'll get the baby boomers because uh, everybody, you know. People want the same thing. You know, they, they want to be able to walk to, you know, walk down to a couple of great restaurants or your local bar, walk to shops, walk to services, you know, walk around the lake, be connected to nature. Um, you know, that's that's not really a it doesn't depend if you know matter if you're you know 22 or 82, you want the same things. Um, so and we've actually seen that borne out. We've de- developed now uh, over 1,200 units in downtown Columbia uh, in four multifamily buildings. We're actually breaking ground this week. On our next project uh, named Marlowe, another 470 units, and uh, we've we've seen it. We've uh, designed them to be, you know, really great, uh, highly amenitized buildings, um, and uh, they're they're very they're equally attractive to baby boomers as to millennials and as to Gen Z. Um, uh, you know, if you're single or if you're, you know, I mean, the, the the thing is that the folks who are less attracted to them are the people who have young kids. You know, if you've got a household with, uh, you know, two or three or four kids. Um, you can you know, afford to buy a, or rent a single family home or a, a townhouse in Howard County uh, and you'll get a lot more space and you can have a yard you can have a, you know, maybe a, a yard for your dog. Uh, it's hard to do that in a multifamily development. Um, but uh, you know, designing for sort of all ages is really kind of easier uh, than you think. It's important to have uh, housing choices. So that's one thing that we are working on is figuring out how to broaden the offering. I mean, we're not going to be building townhomes or single family homes in downtown Columbia, but that doesn't mean there, there shouldn't be a lot of, there's a lot of different sort of product type, uh, product choice that can be available within multifamily. Right now, what we've been designing for the most part are, are uh, you know, very highly amenitized uh, and, and relatively expensive uh, apartments, you know, very, very nice apartments. We, all, we do integrate now affordable housing into those buildings, but the product type is, is pretty consistent and similar. But we want to expand that. So we are, we've continually be look, been looking at um, condominium development. We would like to be able to offer uh, for sale product in the multifamily space. So condominium buildings. We're also looking at um, both age-restricted and age-targeted uh, housing. So you know, how, to, how do we um, build something that is, uh, you know, again, 
you know, directly uh, targeting the 55 plus population. I mean, of course, we have lots of 55 plus renters in our, our mixed stage buildings, but um, uh, we think there is a market for uh, an age restricted building or age, age targeted buildings. Um, and then also broadening the appeal to, uh, you know, how do we uh, develop market rate affordable housing, kind of small a affordable housing or attainable housing. Uh, there's, there's a, you know, a lot of people, I mean, again, most of the things that we've designed, you know, tend to be, you know, $2,000 a month or higher, uh, you know, monthly rental rate. Um, we know there's a huge pool of renters, people who would like to live in downtown Columbia, like to have access to all those amenities, all the walkability, uh, all the restaurants and parks, et cetera. Uh, but they, you know, they, they can't afford to pay that much uh, for rent. So we're looking at designing, how do we design a unit that is a market rate affordable unit um, uh, to give more access to people to downtown Columbia. So um, all those sort of differentiation of product type is really the way to expand the market uh, and, and address you know, the, the needs and desires of everybody from kind of you know, the 21-year-old to the 91-year-old, all of whom you know, want to and should be able to live in downtown Columbia. It's kind of part of the original uh, vision of, again, back to Jim Rouse, uh, he wanted Columbia to be a city that was accessible to everyone, regardless of your economic class, regardless of race or religion. Uh, you know, one of his sayings, famous sayings was that, that uh, Columbia should be a place where both the CEO and the janitor could live in the same neighborhood. And that's something that, uh, you know, again, a value that we take very seriously and uh, I believe are bringing to life um, in what we're doing today. And Stuart Pittman, assess how the pandemic has impacted Anne Arundel County so far and how you see it moving forward, uh, transforming the county long term. It's so important to recognize that it has had this disparate impact and that folks who can work at home can work at home and keep their jobs. And and it's the frontline folks um, who have, have, I think I saw a study that showed that if you're in the bottom quarter of income, um, you are eight times more likely to have lost job, lost your, your job in this pandemic economy than if you're at the top. Um, so, so, but it has, it has impacted everybody. It's impacted the economy. It's mostly impacted the, um, the, the entertainment sector, uh, restaurants, hospitality, and, and, um, uh, and it potentially impacts long-term what we're talking about, uh, the way people live. And, and, you know, one of the positive benefits, of course, is that, a lot of folks are working from home and people are figuring out that you can have a meeting without everybody getting in a car and going to the same location or in an airplane for that matter. Uh, I, um, I know people who's one guy was telling me his business is, has, you know, dropped in, in, in revenue, but increased in profits because all of the money saved by having people working from home and, and um, uh, that could potentially impact what we do. We could end up with vacant, um, you know, making both commercial and office space that needs to be transitioned uh, into other uses. And, and um, so there are, there are all kinds of potential. I think the planners are just starting to wrap their heads around it. And people are trying to figure out how much of this is going to be permanent and stick. Um, I mean, just question of third span on the Bay Bridge is one that, that recently arose that there have been, um, you know, conversations about whether there really is a need for a third span because part of the need was based on development on the Eastern shore that they were projecting. Well, maybe there won't be that kind of development, or if there is that kind of development, maybe those folks will be working from home. So, and not crossing the bridge. So they have to recalibrate all those numbers. Um, but, um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. You know, uh, revenue down, but profits up. 
uh, because of expenses. That's really, that's fascinating. Um, so Greg Fitchett, uh, you have attended all of the Chesapeake Connect trips. Uh, what are some of the things that you've learned uh, during those trips? Well, it's just, uh, I was so disappointed that, you know, of course we didn't do it uh, in 2020 uh, because of the pandemic. We were going to go to Minneapolis in uh, November, which you know might sound like, you know, maybe... <laughs> I guess no one's going to accuse us of, of going on a boondoggle if we're going to Minneapolis in November. But um, uh, you know, I, I was really looking forward to it because I have been on each of the each of the trips so far, and it's really it's really the unexpected things um, that uh, are really fun about the trips. Uh, you know, the first first one I'll say uh, was was uh, an unexpected event just trying to get there that uh, didn't seem like that much fun at the time, but ended up being a great bonding experience. We all basically got trapped with weather events and stuck uh, trying to get to Cleveland out of Baltimore. We, we ended up fly, flying up to Philadelphia and then uh, try, or, you know, coming back. And uh, it was just a total mess. But um, I know that, uh, you, know, the, you know, Senator, uh, the, you know, now President, uh, Senate President Bill Ferguson was on the trip um, and Bill Cole and, uh, you know, a number of us all had that same experience. And that's a bonding event that you'll never forget um, when you're trying to figure out that uh, it was like planes, trains and automobiles trying to get to Cleveland. Uh, before midnight. So, um, you know, that kind of thing, you know, it's just the, the kind of, um, you know, again, unexpected opportunities to meet people uh, who are leaders in their field, who are leaders in the greater Baltimore region. Um, and you get to get out of town and understand, you know, what, you know, what, what are the challenges and what are the opportunities that other cities face? Um, you know, it, it's really just a, a, you know, really unique way to be able to see a different place, learn about a different place, really in depth um, with a lot of other, you know, very smart, engaged leaders in the Baltimore region uh, in, a, in a very quick period of time. So I'm looking forward to 2021. I'm not sure if it's if it's still going to be Minneapolis or not, um, but uh, wherever it is, it's going to be a very, you know, exciting and, and interesting experience, I'm sure. Yeah, and Stuart Pittman, we've heard that from other folks here on the podcast, they, the importance of those personal connections. You went to Nashville uh, on the Chesapeake Connect trip in 2019. Uh, what are some of your takeaways from that experience? What was fascinating was that we went into this city, uh, a bunch of smart people c coming from different perspectives, and um, and we got to hear from the city leaders, uh, both private sector and public sector, and see a city growing like it's on steroids. And I actually took a little video out. I got lucky and I got a corner a corner room in the hotel pretty high up uh, with windows on both sides. And I took a video and you could see about 10 cranes uh, all operating at the same time as that city was, was exploding with growth. And hearing, um, hearing the perspective of the people who were excited about the growth and had promoted it and made it happen. And then some of the other people who were trying to manage that growth at the same time, and then going up into some neighborhoods that were um, that were historically African-American communities where people had been displaced and, and just looking at somebody else's city uh, um, and hearing from their leaders all in a span of two days. Um, it's, it's fascinating. It's like going into a lab and, and, um, and then you think about, you know, how lessons that you learn from back home. So I learned a lot by going to Nashville and I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully Minneapolis, if it's not there somewhere else and, and seeing what they've done right and maybe not done right. That's Anne Arundel County Executive Stuart Pittman. Mr. Pittman, thank you for your time. I appreciate it and uh, look forward to the next time. Thank you. It's been fun. Greg Fitchett is the president for Columbia at the Howard Hughes Corporation. Thank you to you as well, sir. Thank you. Enjoyed it.
The Chesapeake Connect podcast is produced by the Baltimore Metropolitan Council with assistance from WYPR. The Baltimore Metropolitan Council works collaboratively with our region's elected executives to identify mutual interests and develop collaborative strategies, plans, and programs that improve our quality of life and economic vitality. BMC's member jurisdictions include Baltimore City and Anne Arundel, Baltimore, Carroll, Harford, Howard, and Queen Anne's counties. For more information, please visit baltimoremetro.org. That's baltometro.org. Our producer is Mark Gunnery. Our next episode of the Chesapeake Connect podcast, we're going to talk about regionalism in the 21st century with Donald Fry, the president and CEO of the Greater Baltimore Committee, and Carroll County Commissioner Steve Wentz. Until then, I'm Tom Hall. Thanks so much for connecting.